1: Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom
2: and beyond, hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers, so we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them.
1: We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is
2: normal, that we are worthy of love and pleasure, and that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you?
0: Two,
2: one Happy New Year Happy New
1: Year <laughs> We sound like the countdown for literal New Year's. Four,
2: <laughs> Let's three, not do the countdown.
1: Okay. <laughs> well Well anyway. Hello and happy new year. Yeah. We're excited to be back in action. Getting going again.
2: Yeah. Taking 2021 by the balls. I guess. Well, mm. Cass is. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. That just sounded so aggressive. <laughs> I have my
1: water and like we're not really drinking. So I just feel like really mellow right okay, now. Okay.
2: Grabbing him by the horns. Whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but I'm excited. I think we um, just have a lot of exciting things coming up and I'm excited to just How many times can I say excited?
2: Do you want to count that, maybe? (laughs) Take a shot for everyone. (laughs) You'll die. Yeah.
1: Anyway, just give me one of your famous transitions and we'll
2: go into it. You know, resolutions. (laughs) Actually, I feel like that's not the worst transition. No. A lot of us... Are setting, New Year's resolutions. If you listened to last week's episode, you heard our New Year's intentions. We like to say that instead of resolutions because it feels less daunting. Mm-hmm. And we're lazy. And we're lazy. And, and we don't want to hold ourselves Literally to can't commit to
1: many <laughs> things right now.
2: So that's where we're at. But we wanted to chat more about how toxic resolutions can be, specifically those that have to do with diet and exercise, because we are all too familiar with those.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think neither one of us are strangers to saying like this year I like I remember my New Year's resolution every single year used to be like lose five pounds Mm -hmm. and I'm not someone that really like you like I need to lose weight honestly Mm -hmm. and that was always my resolution because I thought that would make me feel better Mm -hmm. and it just it's silly. It's a t- waste of my time. It's waste goofy. of everyone's. It's goofy, and then wait, daft. I've, been- <laughs> I've been watching Bridgerton, so I could totally go into that, act- and I won't because I could get lost. Um, so I'm going to backtrack out of it a little bit.
2: Let's backpedal <laughs> exactly.
1: But okay, <laughs> Sorry. it's all right. It just it consumed way too much of your mental energy. Honestly, Bridgerton. That yeah cuz have you seen episode 6? My god if you have. Episode 6. <laughs> that's exactly No it. that's exactly what I'm talking about. It was fantastic. Anyways, but, losing weight, yeah. diets, all of that. Too much mental energy mm-hmm. goes into thinking about that for what the first like month and then you forget and then you feel like you failed at it you feel like trash yeah because you technically like broke your resolution because Mm -hmm. you're not on the same like path that you wanted to start it's just Mm -hmm. like it's
2: just a fuck fest (laughs) (laughs) no it's not (laughs) in a different way yeah yeah it is yeah anyways moving Moving on forward yes my resolutions have generally been start working out five days a week (laughs) (laughs) um yeah. Stick to this like ridiculous program that is super restrictive, only eat stuff that's on the program, no bread, no white rice, no whatever. You know right, what I mean? Right. And I've never been able to stick with it. And mm. it has always made me feel like trash about myself because I felt like there must be something wrong with me because mm. I can't stick to it. Yeah. And so it ends up saying something about like my character <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rather than the diet or the exercise program, which is what we get into Today on the podcast, we have the incredible Aubrey Wall. She is a body image and confidence coach who just has all the knowledge. She's so much fun, so cool, and she's also the host of the podcast Bodies in Motion, which goes into a lot of what we talk about today, specifically about fitness and athletes. So really interesting if that's something you're into. I was
1: really excited to talk to her because... I like fitness. Like, I like Mm -hmm. being active. I think We know. Fuck off. (laughs) Emma (laughs) likes to work
2: out. Okay.
1: (laughs) But I I wanted to be able to approach it healthy Mm -hmm. because I don't want to feel bad for having fitness goals. Like, I can have Mm -hmm. fitness goals and not feel like, Emma, you can't focus on just your body for the new year. Like, that's not healthy. But I also wanted to find a healthy motivator because my motivation Mm -hmm. for getting fit in the past has been to look hot, mm-hmm. to have this as my body instead of, you know, just feeling good mm-hmm. in my body and being a happier, healthier, well-rounded human. Exactly. So I was really interested to get into that with Aubrey as someone that likes to be an athlete, but needs a reframe on motivation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're very different in that respect because I, fitness has not been a huge part of my life. It's not something I think it, A lot of it has to do with my health issues. When I put too much strain on my body, it like triggers my endometriosis and I am in crippling pain. So I generally try and just go easy on my body as much as I can. But yeah, there have been a lot of times when I've tried to push myself and... It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then I've told myself I'm doing it because I love my body and because I want to take care of my body, but it also makes me feel worse. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's just a bold-faced lie that you were telling <laughs> yourself, Cass. Right.
1: So it's, it's a good conversation to help unpack where all mm-hmm. of that is coming from and then how to move forward, you know, acknowledging mm-hmm. all of that shit.
2: Yeah. It just... <laughs> taking stock of where you are, because Mm -hmm. if we're being honest, a lot of us are still in that mindset of I want to work out to lose weight or I want to work out to look this way or eat this way to look this way. And we're not here to shame you for having those feelings like that Mm -hmm. is not at all what this episode is about. That's not what we're about at all. So many of us have that feeling like society has programmed us to have that feeling. Exactly. It's totally okay if that's where you're at. This is just... Looking at your options, looking at how you can move forward and maybe reevaluating how you could feel a little bit better.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I really think you guys are going to love it and love Aubrey. And mm-hmm. we're excited for
2: you to listen. Yeah. All
1: right. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs>
2: Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, Aubrey, let's start by having you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your story. Let's just get into it.
3: <laughs> yeah. oh, right. Dive right in, baby. Um, yeah. So my name's Aubrey. I am a body image and confidence coach. So I help women stop dieting and move from a place of self-love and really just kind of heal their self-image from, you know, living in a culture where we're taught to hate ourselves. Um, mm-hmm, right. And a little bit about kind of my backstory and, and how I got to where I am now. Uh, kind of a roundabout way to get to where I am right now. But I grew up as a competitive synchronized swimmer and I was a synchronized swimmer for
2: 13 years. That's so cool. I haven't met a lot of synchronized swimmers. (laughs) I don't think, not that I know, not that you know of. Yeah but I keep yeah, going. I'm most, so sorry. Yeah, most
3: people say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, a super awesome sport and a sport that like you said is very unique, but it is also very image driven, just like, you know, gymnastics mm-hmm. or any other sport where you're literally just in a, a leotard basically mm-hmm, yeah. in front of people. Right. So the aesthetic of the sport is very obvious and, um, during my time as a synchronized swimmer, I actually had a really healthy relationship with food until I moved away from my senior year of high school to swim on a more competitive team. And I lived with a host family at that point. Mm -hmm. And being away from home, I experienced a lot of the same, you know, the normal body changes that most people experience, you know, in their freshman year of college, I experienced in my senior year of high school Mm -hmm. and like totally normal stuff, right? Like I gained a little bit of weight, right? Like, kind of normal when you're in that str- high stress environment and in something new. Mm-hmm. But it was made apparent to me that that was not okay um, by family members and friends making comments about my body changes. And so, what started ultimately as you know just a really quote unquote healthy pursuit of you know changing my body back to what it was, mm-hmm. which is a whole conversation in and of itself, which we can mm-hmm. dig into. Um, It started out very healthy, that pursuit, but then when I moved away for my freshman year of college and I was on scholarship for synchronized swimming, and it was just a really high pressure environment. You know, I was taking a full course load. I was training 20 plus hours a week with with the synchronized swimming team. Wow. And ultimately what kind of started as that healthy pursuit very quickly devolved into a pretty severe case of anorexia. Mm -hmm. And so... I left the sport. I moved back home to Bozeman, Montana, where I'm from. And I decided to go into a recovery program after a few years of struggling. And kind of what brings me to what I do right now is that after exiting my recovery and being quote unquote recovered, which is like, I use that term very loosely because I think the classification of being recovered from an eating disorder is kind of complicated and it's so much more nuanced than like, oh, you regained the weight. Congrats. Goodbye. Right. right? (laughs) Right. But after that, there was really no support out there for me about, okay, so now I don't qualify as having an eating disorder, but my relationship with food is still kind of weird and fucked up and disordered. Mm -hmm. And it's so normalized in our culture. So I just thought that what I was doing was normal and healthy. Like this is just how people relate to food and they're constantly over-exercising and, you know, manipulating their food, like doing diets and counting macros and doing all this weird stuff in an effort to keep their body in a certain way or look a certain way. And so I kind of had to figure that out for myself over the course of five years, Mm -hmm. um, how to have a really intuitive and normal relationship with food without being on a diet, what healthy actually meant for me and what types of movement actually suited me. And Mm. that's kind of why I now do the work that I do as a body imaging confidence coach. It's because I didn't have those resources when I was in that really dark place with my relationship with food and my body. That wasn't even an eating disorder, right? It was like in this way that our culture so normalizes.
2: Yeah. Like we've talked about before on the podcast, like it's so celebrated to be doing those things like counting calories, counting macros, making sure you're controlling your food. Like it's a mm-hmm. it's an entire culture and a lifestyle, but it right. is so harmful. And that's the, the only time. thing that you
1: see in the like if you want to be someone who's like fit and active or, you mm-hmm. know, fit quotation Healthy. marks. But, but the only role models that you have are people who are counting macros and mm-hmm. doing it that way and being very like restrictive with the food Part of your health. I don't know. So it's exactly what you're saying. There's not a lot of people to look up to when you're trying to get back to a new normal.
3: Yeah. Totally. And yeah, that whole like, like you said, it's very celebrated to do stuff like that. Like people are like, wow, you're so healthy or wow, you have Mm -hmm. so much self control. I could never do that. Right. It's like this whole dialogue around like being able to like, Control your intake and control your food and control your body makes you like somehow a morally superior person, which is like like
2: social
1: isn't the case. Absolutely, and I like what you said too about finding a movement for your body. Um, and I want to get into what that means for you later, but that is also another thing that you have to kind of reconstruct. It's like you've been told how to move for one way being a professional athlete, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. and then now finding something that you actually like. That's still moving your body, but not exactly how people have been telling you how to do it. Um, So that's probably really complex too. So with your coaching, what is your goal for your clients? What are you trying to aim to achieve with them?
3: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, (laughs) So with my clients, I think ultimately like what I want for my clients is I want them to feel like their life is more free. You know what I mean? Like, I talk about repairing body image and having a more healthy relationship with food, whatever that means for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, like on the other side of working with me, my hope is that you feel more confident in your body or even you just feel neutral about your body. Right? Like at least you're not, you don't hate yourself, yeah. but ultimately what it comes down to for me is I just, I just want people to feel like they have more freedom to make the choices that serve them the best.
1: It's like a mind freedom because, yeah, in your head, you're trying to make choices that you want to do, but then you immediately will feel guilty or feel restricted or feel like you don't have that option. So Mm -hmm. I love the idea of having the freedom to do what you want to do.
3: Exactly. Right. Like it's that's one of the most amazing things about, you know, the work that I do and just like the anti diet movement in general. It's just. You're you have that freedom to decide what health is for you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we live our whole lives understanding health one way, and it's like, this is what it is, and this is what it has to be. I have to eat this way, or I have to move this way, like, I have to burn a certain amount of calories, or you know, have a six pack, or whatever it may be, right? But Mm -hmm. in kind of approaching an anti diet like way of life, Mm -hmm. you have that freedom and that brain space to really explore what is it that makes that actually makes me feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. Like not, what is the, what is um, that fitness influencer saying? Not what they're saying, but what is going to make me feel the best, not only like in my body, but also about like how I'm treating my body and how I'm talking to my body and how I'm respecting my body.
2: Yeah. Did you just use the term thinness influencer or did I hear Okay. I heard thinness influencer and I was like, oh, wow. I never even thought about it that way, but that's but I was like "But that. I know,
3: but I might coin that term. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. Just do it. Cass thought you did. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's yours. Because honestly, if you look at most fitness influencers, that is what they are, is a thinness influencer. And the really like kind of fucked up and twisted part about all of that is that these influencers that are you know promoting these detoxes or skinny teas Mm -hmm. or whatever you know is trending at that time like (laughs) their yeah (laughs) their bodies look like that naturally
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, it's not about the tea they're drinking like their genetics mean like they genetically look a certain way and whether they eat a certain way or exercise a certain way their body's probably gonna like fall within that range unless they're doing something really extreme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's like you can't really trust that advice from like a fitness influencer.
1: Right. Have you guys ever tried the the teas, Mm-mm. the no. diuretic teas? I did in in uh I want to say community college and it was a whole instruction manual on mm-hmm. when to take it and how to take it and what to or to not eat with mm-hmm. it. And it was like scary. It was like you had to be home at certain times because it was a diuretic or more so for real, diarrhea.
0: Diure- <laughs> you know, what a, diarrhea, a diarrhea.
1: Diarrhea. Oh but, God. and it was like, make sure you don't have plans, make sure you're home, make sure you're, you know, all of this other stuff. And I did it. Make sure you're
2: near a toilet.
1: Yeah, that's basically what it was. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> And it was awful. And obviously, you don't feel better after you just like shit yourself, <laughs> and that's like, about it.
2: Great. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> right. I feel awesome. I'm dehydrated. <laughs> My butthole hurts. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and it's just, but that's, and then I remember buying these like $100 diet pills because one of the actors that I like talked about it and that they took it and they just like all of a sudden started cutting so many, so much weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was just insane the things that were marketed and told that you should be, you could be doing to look like this or whatever. Yeah,
3: really, and also just like, well, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. The T sounds very traumatic. Yeah,
1: it was. <laughs> My butt still remembers. It's never forget. Oh, gosh. <laughs> pursing
2: right
1: <now>. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> Don't say I have a pursing butt right now.
2: It's scared. <laughs> I was oh like don't gosh, don't talk about,
0: about it again <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh my gosh
3: well that is such a, it's so interesting that you that you brought that up because like that experience you had with that skinny teeth right is like yeah I feel like that's what like a very small example of like what dieting is like for people. Right. It's like, right. here's all these things you have to do. Don't go out because you might be threatened with like, in that case, like yeah. shitting yeah. your pants, but it, <laughs> it's like, a diet. It's like, <laughs> it's it's like so- don't go out. Um, because you might eat that, that dessert that isn't allowed on your
2: diet, mm, like yeah.
3: isolate yourself. Here's all these restrictions and it makes you feel like shit.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At the end of the day, it's the not allowed part. Yeah, that's exactly. The, yes, the kicker. The yeah. kicker.
3: But
1: with yeah. your coaching, so do you? You offer. What is it like to work with you? Is it um, just like one-on-one kind of advice and counseling? What does it look like to work with you?
3: Yeah, so I do offer one-on-one coaching, um, and that is very much um, well. It's kind of like a hybrid approach. I have one-on-one zoom calls with my clients. And it's really adaptable the way that I coach people because everyone has different needs. Mm-hmm. And so I really try and meet them where, where they're at and, and try and help them achieve the outcome that they want the most. Because I think that you can't focus on all of it at right. once because right. it just becomes too much. And so for, you know, for certain, for certain clients, I work on them. Like, let's say they're struggling with like restricting binge eating, um, Uh that kind of cycle. That's not like into the classification of an eating disorder, but it's like mostly caused by dieting and restricting their eating very heavily. You know, we start to work on incorporating more forbidden foods into their diet, the quote unquote forbidden foods, the Mm -hmm. foods that they don't allow themselves to have. And then in turn, end up binging on because they're not allowing themselves to have it. Right. Right. Um, so incorporating that in a more sustainable and long-term way and really working on the mindset around that, like why, why are we having these urges to, you know, eat these foods in such large quantities? Is it emotional? Is it cause you're not eating enough? Is it all of the above? Right. So that's just like one example of how I'd work with a client, but it really depends on the client. Like I said, it's mm-hmm. some people have more struggles with how they see themselves. Some people have more struggles around the more food components of it or communicating with family and friends around it. And there's just so many different facets that I can dig into with my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do also do group courses. So I'm currently, like, in the launch phase of my a 12-week course that I'm doing, which is called Breaking the Diet Cycle, which is um, modules, group coaching calls, and then, um, like, an online chat with all of, all of the group members so that there can be a little bit more community component to it because I found that yeah. that's – really highly valuable to people as well as having a group of people that are like telling you, saying the same things and saying, Mm -hmm. you're not alone in this. Like, I totally understand what you're going through.
0: of midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: You just totally sparked something for me because we were talking about, you know, thinness influencers. And I'm thinking about people who, you know, promote this idea of balance. And like the thing I'm thinking about in particular is the 80-20 rule like 80% Mm. of the time I'm eating this, I'm doing these things. And then 20% of the time I indulge and let myself do what I want. What do you think about that?
3: Hmm. That's a really good question. And I think, so this is obviously just my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't like to ascribe numbers or rules around Mm -hmm. the way you eat and the way you move, because I find that in most cases, because we live in a culture that is so hyper-focused on really strict rules around food and movement and dieting and all of those things, I find that when you start to put numbers on things like that, it still leads to kind of the same sort of behaviors, right? Mm -hmm, It's like, Well, if, if I am good 80% of the time, then I have permission to be quote unquote, bad 20% of the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that still is a diet mentality, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, it depends on how you're approaching it. Because if you're approaching it from like kind of an intuitive eating perspective, where it's like, I have unconditional permission to eat. I really listen to my body and I really tune in in that way. Like you, you may still eat 80, 20, but you're not putting rules on. I have to eat 80, 20. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And the good and the bad is right. so toxic too. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit with Summer about that and putting labels on. You know, if I I'll just be bad and like that means that you <laughs> yes. are doing I'm only bad,
2: <laughs> yeah, bad behavior because you had <laughs>
1: chocolate or something. So that was that was a good question. I've actually never heard of eighty twenty before. So that was Yeah, interesting. I feel
2: like because I've I've been following different like diet fitness plans probably since like freshman year of college when you know i started to experience that was the first time that i kind of like experienced weight gain like yeah. which i wish somebody had talked to me about it in like a positive way like hey that's totally normal but it yes. felt really like oh i'm such a stereotype and i'm like doing these things freshman 15 exactly yeah, that type of shit yeah i would eat like boxes of pop tarts i know I was, you had to yeah. pies i know i would eat full pies <laughs> i there were there was a lot going on at that I time in my life <laughs> um <laughs> I totally lost my hey, shame. <laughs> um, shame exactly
1: because. experiencing it following, yeah. so I've been people.
2: following, you know, different people since that time and following plans that I thought, you know, like, oh, this is really positive. Like they're so positive. and then like realizing like, oh, there's still so many rules. And when I don't follow them, I still feel like shit. yeah, like that's really how I've started to see things. Like if I, don't do the thing that I said I was going to do and feel like shit, then I know that there's something going on and that I put a rule on myself that is probably not right. the healthiest thing for me. Mm-hmm. So totally. totally. It's hard. Though. Yeah.
3: I mean, I've learned about myself. Like I can't put rules on food anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't even, you know, like there was a period of time where I'm like, was like, maybe I'll go plant-based. And this was like very, Mm. very recently. Okay. Like very recently. (laughs) And then I always have to stop and check myself when I start thinking things like that. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. Why do you think you need to do this? Where is this motivation coming from? Because I think oftentimes we say we're going to do it for health, but what that actually means is I'm doing it to stay in a certain body or turn into a certain body or, you know, be able to look a certain way in one way or another. And I know that Summer on her podcast, I think also talked about that a little bit of like, they say they're going to do this. They're doing this diet for quote unquote health reasons. Mm-hmm. But if you ask them, would you still do this? If it made you gain yes. weight Are they're probably going to say no. Right. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it's actually the motivations coming from the wrong place. And like, I still fall into that every once in a while. Like it, like I said, it happened to me very recently. And then I was like, okay, you know what happens when you do this. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> when you try and go on a like quote unquote lifestyle diet, you start to get weird and restrictive around your food and you get a lot more anxious. And like, is that worth it to you? Mm-hmm. Probably not.
2: I've talked about like my journey with veganism a little bit um, on the podcast. I've I was vegan for, like, the past four years, and I've recently started to transition out of it, and I think what I've really realized is, like, there are certain ways in which I did it for moral reasons, and then there are certain ways in which I did it for, like, aesthetic, t- aesthetic reasons and to lose weight. Like, I don't believe in eating meat. I that doesn't align with how I feel. It doesn't feel right to me. But fish, like I I feel morally comfortable with that. Like I'm sure there, I know there are people who don't. That's my decision. It's my body. It's my life. So I feel comfortable with that. But I wasn't doing it just because I like, I wanted that label of vegan because it felt like, oh, Uh vegans are skinny. They're pretty. They're healthy. Like they're valued. Mm. And so I wanted Mm -hmm. that so badly. That I was like, mm-hmm. if I just describe that title to myself and just do all of those things, I'm going to be great. And I've been sick for four years. Yeah. Well, longer than four years. Yeah. I've been sick most of my life. But it's like I just got sicker and sicker and sicker. And like Emma was even saying on like one of our last episodes, you know there were every day you would have a new thing that you weren't eating and it's like, yeah. And yeah. I would literally use that term, I'm not allowed to eat that. Yeah. I can't yeah. eat that. And it's like, okay, something is fucking going yeah. on. right? <laughs> and now that I'm eating right. fish and like, you know, last night, Emma and I were hanging out and I had something with dairy in it mm-hmm. because I wanted it. I wanted a piece of chocolate. Instead yeah. of being like, I'm not allowed to have that. I was like, I actually really want that. Yeah. And it was delicious and I loved it <laughs> and I felt great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. taking those rules off of myself has been so mm-hmm, freeing. Freeing. <laughs> I'm a bird. Totally. <laughs> oh, I love that
3: so much. I. Uh, that's so great. I think also like, I think you hit on something really interesting when you were just talking about, you ascribe that identity of vegan to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we start doing diets, we really do that or you know even if we like start doing a new sport or a new type of exercise or eating a certain way we ascribe that to like who we are like we take that on as like this is who I am and so then like it doesn't allow you any flexibility in like what like you know like shifting things Mm -hmm. and like being flexible around like yeah you said you wanted a piece of chocolate you ate it it felt great you felt great today it was you know Moving on, right? And I think that it's really important that we, as people that live in this culture that is so strict and inflexible and rigid with all of these conversations around food and bodies, I think that approaching it with the sense of this way of eating is not my identity and giving yourself the permission to potentially every once in a while, if you're craving ice cream or chocolate or, you know, cheese or whatever it may be, that's like, outside the realm of what you normally eat, allowing yourself the permission to have that when you crave it and not make it this big thing about I'm a bad person. I'm going mm-hmm. back on this identity of being the vegan or being Gotta the Got to get vegetarian. back on the wagon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's just because you eat cheese or chocolate or whatever, it doesn't make you not a vegan.
2: Mm-hmm. It
3: just makes you like, a flexible vegan yeah. and like, you don't have to like be like 100% this all the time because who is that actually serving?
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Not me. I
3: know. Because it comes down <laughs> yeah. to labels,
1: exactly what mm-hmm. you were saying. It's like you feel like you have to explain your label if you cheat. And it's like, then that's just for the label. That's not for yourself.
2: Exactly.
3: Right. Yeah. It's not for you. It's for the world. It's right. Like, oh, everyone's gonna judge me if I say I'm a vegan and then I eat chocolate. And it's like, so what if they yeah. do? That's not their problem. Like right. it's your body and your choice and you have permission to eat and treat your body in the ways that feel best for you. And that's not Joe Schmo's
1: business, you know. Right.
2: I mean, literally, when people would ask me about myself, like the first thing I would say was I'm vegan. Yeah. Like it was my identity. That and grad school for you. Yeah. You know. So two things that I have quit. <laughs> that you quit. But that's it's. But that's what mm-hmm. is great. You're like
1: breaking out of that. Exactly. And I've seen that change in you.
2: Because those aren't identities. That's exactly. It. Those are things I do. Those are right. like literal little pieces of my life that I was using to create an identity because I lack confidence and yeah. because I'm mm. insecure in these other ways and scared that people are going to look at me a certain way or not think I'm good enough. And so I used those things to be like, oh, look, I'm a full person. I promise I'm going right. to graduate school and I'm a vegan. Right. So I must be yes. good. Yeah. And it's like, yes. mm-hmm. OK, well, what happens when you let go of those things like cutting? It sounds silly, but. I cut my hair like a month ago Mm. and having long hair has been such a big part of my identity since I was three. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so I but I like, yes, I wanted to try out something different, but I also wanted to be like, what happens if I let go of that comfort? What happens if I let go of that part of my identity? And I'm just like, it's gone. Now what? Now become a person. Yeah. Now, like, be yourself because you have to because you can't hide behind being smart and a vegan Mm -hmm. and long hair. Uh, Yeah. Those aren't your personality. mm -hmm. And then I also like how you talked about
1: um, athletes in the same way, too, Mm -hmm. because you were saying being that athletic body as well. Because I've – that's something that I've um, thought about a lot because I have someone who has an athletic build. Like, I've always been. You're a sporty girl. (laughs) I'm a sporty gal. But I've had broad (laughs) shoulders. I'm just, like, shaped like – I should be an athlete. And so when I feel like an Olympian, (laughs) (laughs) but when I feel like I'm not in shape, I'm like, Oh, this athletic body isn't doing me anything then. Like I don't look like it. You can't look at me and think I'm an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's also been something that I've thought about a lot with working out and with my sports. It's like, I want to look like an athlete because I have all the features of looking like an athlete. So I might as well like tone it up and look like I do something with it. Mm And then it's hard for me in things like quarantine when I can't work out as much as I want. And my body doesn't look exactly how it did when I was like a hardcore full time athlete. And it's just, it's weird. (laughs) Totally.
3: Um, Yeah. I want to touch on two things. I want to come back to the athlete thing because this is actually something that I personally have had to cope with this year, but I'll get into that in a second. Mm -hmm. But um, with the identity thing too, like, Diet culture in general limits how we, like, become ourselves so much, right? Like, you were just talking about my identity when I introduced myself to people was, I'm in graduate school, right? So, like, I'm gaining validity through this education, which there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Grad school is great if it's for you. Yeah. And then I'm a vegan, right? Like, look at how morally superior my food choices are. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Right? And so I think that that limits, like, our identities, right? It's like, okay, well, you're the vegan, which is, like you said, things you do, right? It's Mm -hmm. not who you are. Like, you're not um, a vegan, like, when you show up in your relationship with your partner (laughs) or your relationship with your best friend or, like, all of these things, right? Like, so it's like, wait, I'm not that that is something i do but i am not that mm-hmm. i am me and this is these are the characteristics that i want to fulfill in my life and like what does that look like right like being a vegan isn't going to be like yeah. the defining factor in you accomplishing those things
2: the moral superiority thing like i didn't really realize it until i've started to think about it recently like that was another aspect of it that i really used to boost my confidence because i i do feel really insecure going into like conversations with people i don't know or interacting with people and so i used that in my head like i'm vegan so this is going to sound real bad but like i'm vegan so i know i'm better than them in that way so i don't yeah. have to feel scared about how much lesser I feel in every other way like that can boost me up enough to where I don't have to feel insecure about how I look or insecure about like my personality and them not liking me because if they don't like me who cares they're not as good as I am I mean that's huge and that's
1: probably the underlying of all of those stupid vegan memes you see you know (laughs) yeah but that's
3: the
0: (laughs) that is what
2: people are waiting to hear from people who like have that air about them Mm -hmm. like veganism I've there have been so many times in my life where I'm like why aren't people talking to me? Like, why don't people want to, it's like probably because you think you're better than them and it comes off in the way that you're talking to them. So Um, to anybody that I've ever made feel that way, like (laughs) I am so sorry. It wasn't about you. It's because I lack confidence, (laughs) but
1: it's like, that's an incredible thing to say. And
0: I'm,
2: very proud to hear that.
1: Thank you. Not because I'm like, like, oh, because I've been, I've, I've been away from you. you <laughs> no, like not because of that at all. It's just that's such a profound thing to say about yourself. Yeah, and to own and claim, and yeah. that's incredible.
3: that, that yeah. is like so yeah. huge, and I think that other people will really like admire that because I think that you know a lot of what I talk about is like my clients is like self-compassion mm-hmm. and part of self-compassion is like owning up to shit like that
2: yeah,
3: and realizing why you're doing it. And then you're like, Oh, like, Oh my gosh, I was doing this because I felt insecure. Mm-hmm. So like, how can I work on making myself feel more secure and more confident in who I am without this title of being a vegan
0: mm-hmm. and thinking
3: yeah. I'm morally superior to them because of that? Because, you know, I think that that's like, like it's, I think it's a very easy thing to do when we are on a diet or, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things. It's showing like, look at me and look at how much self-control I have yeah, and these yeah. choices that I've made make me a better person than you. Mm-hmm. And like the food that you eat and the food choices you make do not make you a better person than the next guy. Exactly. Absolutely. So. Absolutely.
2: But one thing I have really yeah. noticed, I haven't actually talked to you about this, Emma, but my partner who has also been vegan not quite as long as I have, but um, who's like transitioning out of veganism with me, we've both noticed like it's almost like all of our friends can like kind of take a deep breath around us now because there isn't that like weirdness of we're vegan, we're judging you for what you're eating. So oh, like man. a lot of people have actually told us like, oh, I'm so glad you're not vegan anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow. oh, my God, like. I was making you uncomfortable with my food choices and something that I'm like, oh, I'm helping the world. I'm serving (laughs) the world. And it's like, but I wasn't serving the people that I love most Mm -hmm. in one way or another, not necessarily through my diet choices, but the way in which I was choosing to like live in that diet. So yeah, Yeah. and
1: I'm not going to say that that was on the forefront of my mind at all with being Mm -hmm. your friend. But I think that's absolutely true in the fact that I've, secretly or whatever inside of me was like, shit, I really shouldn't do that like in front of Cass because like I feel like that's not aligned with her. I feel like she's going to she's not going to participate. So then I'll kind of feel a little Mm -hmm. shitty. And so I think you're absolutely correct that it feels like, oh, we're all like here now. Like we can all just be these people who aren't Mm -hmm. focusing on food and restriction. And that's not the topic anymore, you know. And so I think that's another. I haven't been thinking about that. But now that you point that out, that's, that's very true. I think. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It how is weird. It's permeated
2: so many aspects. It was a very big, our focus. lives. Yeah. It was a very big focus. Like you weren't even vegan and yet it was impacting, like my decision to be vegan was impacting. Our it's crazy. weird. Diets, diet totally. culture is weird. Yeah. 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 It's yeah in there. That's <laughs> the thing <is> that <laughs> diets,
3: like diets, no matter what they look like, right? Like, I mean, you obviously had your reasons for being a vegan. Um, You know, some of them were moral and some of them, like you said, were admittedly aesthetic. And But the thing is, is that diets really impact the way that, you know, we show up with the people in our lives, right? Like it's kind of always, as a consequence, food is always on the forefront of our minds, right? And we don't have the same space to focus on being in the present moment with the people that are around us. Right. It's like, you can't fully show up. Cause you're always like, if you go to a social gathering, for example, and you're a vegan or, you know, like, let's go with a fad diet, maybe instead, like you're keto. And you go to a party and you're like, you're, you're going into the party like, Oh, there's going to be cookies there and there's going to be chips and I can't eat any of them. And you're going to be stressed out mm-hmm. about sticking to your diet while you're there. And so while you're at the party, are you fully present? Probably mm-hmm. not, because you're really, really thinking about, damn, those cookies look good and I really want to yes. eat one, but I can't because I'm on this diet and you mm-hmm. know, blah, blah, blah. And so I think that I think that understanding that like the implications of a diet are so far beyond our own personal experience, but they do trickle out into our social interactions and how we show up in the world with other people that are way more important to us than, you know, sticking to this diet.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want to circle back to your experience as an athlete as well, because you said that you've had um, obviously just experience being a professional athlete and with body image and stuff like that. So kind of your thoughts around there.
3: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) It runs wide and deep. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, I was telling Cass Um, earlier too, like I forgot this whole part of my life where, not forgot, I can't forget, where I dated a (laughs) fitness, like a a bodybuilder and how that life was all around like this fitness body. So I just, yeah, Yeah. want to know a little bit more about that.
3: So, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) the bodybuilding uh, industry, I could rant. for so right. long about it, but I will restrain myself. Mm-hmm. Um So my own personal experience, obviously Ken talked about synchronized swimming, everyone kind of fits into, if, like if you look up synchronized swimming on YouTube, all of them look the same. right? Like mm-hmm. most of the high level synchronized swimmers look the same and I do think that, you know, maybe that did play a part in my eating disorder, but largely I think my eating disorder was really attributed to my, um, feeling out of control, um, with, Mm -hmm. with my body and with my surroundings and my freshman year of college, I was under a lot of pressure and I was really not that happy to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of that really went into that and also having that external motivation of knowing that my body had changed previously and I needed to quote unquote, lose the weight, Mm -hmm. um, which, body changes are normal, right? (laughs) Just to all of the listeners, I want (laughs) you to know body changes are normal. I'm not going to like go on a tangent about that. But if you're beating yourself up about your body changing, just know that it's normal. It's a normal stress response for our bodies to change. So Mm -hmm. normalize that. But after my recovery program, and I was kind of struggling with this weird disordered eating behaviors and kind of the um, still compulsively exercising quite a bit Uh and and doing the types of exercise that were solely focused on body change. Right. So like I did weightlifting for a long time because I really wanted a six pack and it's like, okay, well, uh, that's like, you're still doing weird stuff and like really focused on (laughs) changing your body and not actually like being cool with what it is. Right. And I kind of didn't really like weightlifting all that much. I got kind of bored of it. Um mm-hmm. and so I started racing triathlon. Oh wow. And yeah, so I have raced I've raced triathlon competitively for the, the last 5 years or so and um primarily long course triathlon, so half iron and ironman distance triathlon. Oh my um, gosh yeah that's
1: incredible <laughs> thank you
3: yeah it's like it's an awesome sport um,
1: I did a triathlon but... once when I was eight so I, I kind of get it Hell so no, Emma friend. gets it
2: I wore all my you mom's
1: clothes because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have any workout clothes guess
2: like, that's, that's good so. for an eight-year-old you probably I'll shouldn't have workout that. clothes I will I'll post
1: it it's like me with I'm like buttoning up my helmet but my mom told me to eat so I'm eating a little bit of a banana before I do my biking
3: <sighs> that's adorable <laughs> That. I want
1: that content <laughs> I will it'll um, be on the episode post <laughs> yes.
3: I love keep that. going um, that makes me so happy um <laughs> but yeah so I kind of like I'm very much like an all-in person um just that's my personality type uh-huh. probably one of the reasons I had an eating disorder in the first place um but I so when I decided to do tri- a triathlon I was like you know what I'm just gonna do a half iron man screw it and so I signed up for one let alone I didn't even own a road bike at this point. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really fell in love with the sport. And so I raced for the past five years. I I was actually kind of like on track to pursue a professional career as a triathlete until COVID. And um, COVID has really kind of uprooted everything that I was like thinking I was the direction that I was going with my life. And Mm -hmm. One thing that I've done this year is once I realized like, okay, COVID's like not going anywhere and all the races are going to be canceled. So I got to like readjust my expectations here. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: One thing that I decided to do was once all my races were off the calendar for the year, I decided to take a step away from structured training altogether and really get back in touch with what it feels like to move because I want to. And Uh because when you're, when you're a triathlete, like, especially training in the long course, like you train typically like lowest volume weeks are 12 ish hours, but yeah, you're doing like a ton of workouts throughout the week. You're doing multiple workouts a day most of the time. And you always have a structured training plan that you're following. Right. Uh So you don't really have like a lot of choice in what you're, I mean, you have some choice, but not a ton. So it's kind of like you start to lose connection with your body. I think Uh at least that was my experience. And so I kind of had to like take a step back and reassess, like, am I still doing this for the right reasons? And am I still enjoying this sport? Why am I doing it? Why did I start doing it in the first place? Right. And like, how is this still serving me? Because in my pursuit of trying to go pro. I was also like being really mean to myself because I wasn't performing at the level that I thought I should be. Mm -hmm. And like, I started to realize that this year when I didn't have racing and I took a step back, I had gained some perspective on what was kind of going on last year. And I, you know, constantly trying to find the best diet or way of eating that was going to serve my performance best. And I was being really hard on myself about not sh- like, performing at the highest level that I possibly could. And, mm. and now that I've backed off of the sport, my body is changing. So I'm training a lot less and I'm still a very active person. Cause I just like love
0: right. biking mm. and
3: running and swimming and strength training and all the things I like love to move my body, but it's different now and my body is changing. And so I definitely get that right. Like being like, Oh, my body, like, I need to learn how to live in a new body now.
2: Like you were talking about like the reason behind why you're working out or exercising. Like we really want to talk about motivation because I think that's something that both we've been talking about this a lot. Mm -hmm. Like why am I exercising? Why am I doing this particular type of exercise? Mm -hmm. Because I know for me, I've never really exercised for anything other than changing how I look. Absolutely. Uh Like true. If I'm being completely honest, I've literally never been like, I'm going to work out to feel better. Yeah. It's just never like I know that that is a thing. (laughs) I know (laughs) that people do people like it, Mm -hmm. but I've just never been somebody who has been like, yes, I just really want to move right now. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about that and how a lot of the time, like the reason people work out is that aesthetic motivation? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, of course. So first of all, you're not alone. I think that's a pretty normal thing is that people You know, exercise only to change their body. And I think also, diet culture kind of doesn't give exercise a whole lot of credit. It's like you exercise to burn calories and change the way your body looks, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, like, that doesn't really give it a whole lot of credit, right? Like, Movement is good for so many other things, like, you know, reducing your stress and, like, feeling more confident in yourself and developing more mental strength and improved health markers (laughs) across the board. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much other stuff that is good for you out of movement and in, in this culture of having to look a certain way and feeling really pressured to fit into a certain body ideal, it's... Totally normal to feel like, well, why else would I exercise? Right, you know, right. Like, what's the point? And so, I think that when you're kind of assessing your motivations for movement, it's really important to take a step back and like ask yourself that question: Why am I doing this right now? Is it because I feel like I have to? Is it because I overate at dinner last night? Is it because I had dessert? Is it because? I really want to because I know it's going to make me feel better. Right. And so I think that just like checking your motivations around that. And sometimes that can literally just be the first step, Mm -hmm. like just creating awareness around it. Like you don't have to do anything about it. The first time you are like trying to practice Mm -hmm. this and figure out what type of movement works for you. Sometimes you could just be like, okay, what's going on here? And then you can still go exercise if you want. Right. Right. But Mm -hmm. I think that having that awareness is the first step. Mm -hmm. And then, kind of in a more like actionable way, I always encourage my clients to just like get really curious and exploratory with the types of movements that they try. So it's like make a list of all the things you've always wanted to try, but you haven't tried it because, um, you were scared to try it or you didn't think it burnt enough calories. So what's the point? Or you just thought it was like not a real type of exercise, quote unquote.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: I think that giving yourself the opportunity to try those things is a pathway to finding those types of movement that actually do make you feel really good. Mm-hmm. On motivation,
1: it's that's been something I've tried to look at for a long time. And this morning, like, I feel, I feel like more recently I've been trying to really look at my body in a different way and kind of just be, have a more healthy relationship with body and food. And, but then yeah. this morning I like, knew I ate Jack in the Box last night <laughs> because I really <laughs> fucking wanted it. And uh-huh. my head was like, yeah, okay. So like do something today to work out because you haven't worked out a long time. You ate Jack in the Box last night. And then 10 minutes later, I was getting in the shower and like, I was like obviously naked. So I like looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, but like you actually look really, you look cute. I like the way you look, you look nice. And then my head was still like, okay, but still you have to work out later because you had Jack in the Box last night and that's not good for you. And it's crazy because just motivation has been so in my body sometimes. And also sometimes it's like totally in my head. It's kind of can be two different battles that I have. And it's been, that's probably been my hardest challenge to figure out is conquering motivation and trying to reframe it because if it's not changing my body I think a lot of people are lost. It's like, then what is my motivation? Like, what Mm -hmm. should motivation be if it's not to look different or to say I worked out or to validate like, oh, I ate that, but it's totally fine because I did this. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where a lot of people kind of get tripped up. It's like, well, then what's my motivation? And if it's just to like myself, like, that's not enough motivation to get Mm -hmm. me to the gym. And so much of it is about getting other people's approval. Yeah. It's multi, it's so many layers in motivation.
3: Totally. Well, does do the type of movements that you currently do, like, do they make you feel good aside from the potential of your body changing?
1: I would say I really like weightlifting. It's something that does make me happy. And like, I like doing it when I want to. I haven't in the last two months because I haven't wanted to. And I feel like I've been really a lot more conscious of that. Um, yeah. feeling inside my body. But right now it's because I look at my body and I kind of like it. And maybe that's mm-hmm. why. And if I looked at my body and didn't totally love it, I think it would be completely different. I would be like, no, I just have to get mm-hmm. in the gym because I know that weightlifting will burn those calories and like I'll look different. Um, so it it might yeah. be different, but I have tried to look at what movements do bring my body like joy. Like I love taking my bar classes Bar is super fun. It's a fucking workout too, if you've ever been to one, but it's oh, also <laughs> taken me to some. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's also so different from weightlifting. It's different from running mm-hmm. on a treadmill or running outside or something. It's completely different exercise that I still feel really good because it's like a whole body, kind of like a soul thing too. Yeah,
3: there's, I mean, there's a whole lot there. <laughs> um, but I think that like you can still do the types of movement where you're like, you do it for reasons that are unrelated to the way your body looks, Mm -hmm. Um, but you can still like the outcome of them. I would say if the motivation is only coming from a place of I'm doing X exercise because I want to burn X amount of calories or because I want my body to look X way, I think that's when it becomes really problematic. And also when it's in that compensatory state, right? Like you were talking about like, oh, I need to work out today because I ate Jack in the box. Mm -hmm. Like I would almost challenge you in those days to not work out because you're having that thought. Or Mm -hmm. if you do work out, choose to do something that's like, not so not in such a penance way, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like okay, yeah, maybe this is the one this is one reason why I want to work out, but maybe also you had a stressful day and you want to, you know, allow yourself a little bit of movement, like go for a walk. Right. You know, do something that's really low key and that isn't going to feel like uh, all of this stress on your body. That's like, oh, well, yeah, I have to do this because I ate junk food last night. Like a punishment. Yeah, but eating junk food once isn't the end of the world. Right.
2: (laughs) I think one thing I'm thinking about, like, I'm thinking about people in my life. I'm thinking about myself. I've never been like a super active person. I've never liked sports or anything like that. (laughs) It's just not my thing. Um, (laughs) It's totally fine. But I, Mm -hmm. so like lately what I've been doing, because the thing that makes my body happiest is just going on walks every day. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what feels good to me. That makes me happy. And there was a long time when I was like, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. Even if I wasn't doing anything else, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? You only went on a walk today. Like, that's shitty. That's not enough. You're not going to change your body, whatever. Lately I've been like, you know what? I'm just going on walks. That's what I like. That's what my dog likes. That's what my fiance and I like to do together. Great. But then, you know, there are lengths of time when I'm like, I literally don't want to do anything. Like I don't want to walk. I don't want to, I don't want to get my ass up off the couch. I want to watch Netflix and I, that's literally it. And if I were to do anything else, the only reason I would do it was to change my body so like, I guess I'm wondering what to do in those moments, because like I have people in my life who I know have experienced that same thing, like they literally just don't like exercise. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what what should we do?
3: Totally, totally. I yeah, that's a great question. I think that with um, so kind of in your case in particular, mm-hmm. it sounds like you are pretty active and you walk a lot. And, you know, like physical activity just is good in general, you know, right. regular physical activity just is good, regardless of what it is. And so I think that, um I think that in those moments when you're feeling really unmotivated, I think it's important to check in and understand why you're feeling unmotivated, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is it because I'm actually just really physically tired or mentally tired or emotionally tired, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because, getting up and doing exercise does take mental and emotional work too, right? Like it's not just about the physical body. And so like, if you're feeling really fried, you had a really long week at work and you're like, I just, all I want to do is watch Netflix today. (laughs) And I don't want to go outside. Like give yourself that permission because we also, yeah, we need to be physically active, but we also really need to rest. Mm -hmm. And there are periods of time when that is appropriate. And when it's good for us to just slow down for a minute and not feel so pressured to go out and walk and like checking where those motivations are coming from like if it's mm. because you're you know like well I have to because I don- I can't eat the same amount if I don't go walking or right. whatever it may be right and for people who kind of are just like perpetually unmotivated to 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 move because like there are people that are like that and yeah. movement is important I'm not going to say that like you can just get away with not exercising because I, mm. I think that Fundamentally, to improve your physical, mental, and emotional health, movement is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And so I would say, like, understanding why you're not feeling motivated, right? Because Mm -hmm. is it because you are not sure what type of movement you should be doing? Is it because you're scared of trying new things? Is it because you um, don't have a lot of knowledge in that department? Um, and feel really overwhelmed by making the choice, right? So I think that a lot of times a lack of motivation really comes from a lack of knowledge and a lack of, you know, understanding of yourself or of the options that are available to you Mm -hmm. in the sense that I think when people say they feel really unmotivated to move, pretty much all the time. It's because their, their standards for movement are really, really high.
2: Yeah, It's mm -hmm. like, well,
3: if I move, I have to go run for an hour. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Like that doesn't have to be the the threshold. Like you can literally start by going on three 20 minute walks a week. Mm -hmm. And like that can be your new standard. And you can just kind of like be flexible with yourself, and if you decide you really hate walking, give yourself the opportunity to, like, try something different right. that isn't such, like, a huge leap, or, you know, make the commitment to hiring someone that's a professional in the fitness field um, or in the field that you want to move in, right? Like, say mm-hmm. you want to dance, like, that's the type of movement you want to do. Like, go, to a, go hire a, a dance instructor or go to a dance class, or if you want to start lifting weights or just, like, be more active in that way, hire a personal trainer for a few sessions and just Mm. say, you know, I want to be more active, but I'm scared and I don't know what to do. And I don't know how, right. I think that empowering yourself with the knowledge of, of how you can move and the many options available and knowing that all movement counts, right. It's not like the only types of movement that count are the types of movement that are going to burn the maximum amount of calories Mm
2: -hmm. I love that I think that is such like the perfect answer really removing that idea that like you have to do a certain type of workout because I think at least in my case if you know I go a long span of not wanting to work out there are other aspects of that but like it's that idea. It's that kind of all or nothing mentality that we were talking about before. Like, okay, well, if I work out, I got to do a 60 minute, Mm -hmm. like I got to lift weights for 60 minutes. Like that's what I have to do. Or I have to go on a full run. I don't run. So (laughs) (laughs) that's not really applicable to me. But, um, so I think removing that from the, like, from your brain, right. That idea is so freeing and being like, oh, I could just go on like a 20 minute walk today. And that's Mm -hmm. enough that's great. I moved. That's awesome. And I also want to say that for me, I think another reason that I sometimes don't have any motivation is because I know when I am moving and doing things that are taking care of myself, then I have to think about how I'm feeling. And I have to think about the things that I'm going through. If I just sit on the couch and watch Netflix, I can kind of be numb and not think about what I'm going through. And so it's really like, sometimes it's hard to find the motivation because I don't want to look right at at where i'm actually at Mm -hmm. because sometimes it's scary and it sucks and it's hard but it's like i i don't know and it sounds weird that like you know just going on a walk makes me look at my full self but it's like it does yeah i don't know and Mm -hmm. watching gilmore girls doesn't doesn't make me (laughs) (laughs) my mind goes on autopilot that's great i'm like oh i've seen this this is fine yeah i mean yeah
3: and and assessing why you're not motivated like you really have to own up to your shit, you know, like, you gotta be like, wait a minute, is it because of the fact that I'm scared to go try something new? Is it Mm -hmm. because I don't want to, like, show up to my emotions and really process through that because, like, I'm feeling exhausted or whatever, and, like, sometimes it's appropriate to not do that and just be like, I'm going to deal with this emotion later, right? Like, sometimes that is the healthy thing to do for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but most... Well, you know, a lot of the time it's not. And so understanding that about yourself is really valuable too.
1: Totally. totally, Absolutely. Well, when this is coming out, it is the start of the new year. And what are, what is your advice for people whose goals are weight loss and looking different? What would your advice be for those people who, who have
2: those new year's have resolutions? have those new year's resolutions. Because I yeah. think a lot it's gonna of people lot. do. hmm Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: Yeah. Gotta love it. I would say, um, I, if your goal is weight loss or body change in some way, Mm -hmm. ask yourself why, why do I want to lose weight? Why do I want to change my body? Like just be a little bit more reflective of why you're making the decisions you are and ask yourself really honestly if, losing that weight or going on that diet or whatever you're thinking about doing is actually going to serve you as a whole person, mm-hmm. right? Like not just your body. Is it going to serve you as a whole person? Like how is this going to impact your social life? How is this going to impact how you show up with friends and family? Um, mm-hmm. Is it, are you going to feel good on this diet? Right. And like be Take a critical eye to that last question because I think we assume, well, yeah, obviously I'm going to feel good in my body because I'm going on this new diet and I'm going to lose all this weight and it's going to be amazing and I'm going to look so good and feel so confident. But, Mm -hmm. like, think about the last time you went on a diet. Is that that what happened, right? Like, be really reflective about why you're doing the things you're doing and what kind of impacts they're going to have outside of – You know, this goal of losing X amount of pounds or looking a certain way at the end of the diet.
2: A hundred percent. I think that's those are great questions to ask yourself. And I think one thing we've also been thinking about is like, you know, a lot of people like, quote unquote, fail. Mm -hmm. to meet their resolutions. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always statistics or like Instagram posts that are like, 99% of people will stop going to the gym after like January. Mm -hmm. Don't be one of those people. And it's like, one, fuck you. Yeah. Two, like, what would you say to people who are like, you know, failing, quote unquote, and I just, I don't mean it in that way. I just don't know how else to put it. That's the only word that's going to pop up in their head. Yeah, that aren't meeting, people who feel like they're failing to meet their resolutions and are feeling like crap, Mm -hmm. Like, what would you say to those people?
3: Well, I would say that, you know, the reason most people quote unquote fail their resolutions or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever goal they're trying to attain is because the motivation is coming from the wrong place, right? I always say to my clients, negative um, motivations or, sorry, actions motivated, um, by negative feelings don't produce positive results. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? So it's like this idea of I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and eat this really strict diet because I hate myself. Like Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to stick to that because it's coming from a place of punishment and that's unsustainable. No one wants to sit in punishment for a year Mm -hmm.
1: or the rest of your life. The whole
2: point is if you only fail if you do it for – like you only – win if you do it for the rest of your life right right if right, you stop at any point you fail available. right that's absolutely insane. yeah
3: you can't diet for the rest of your life i mean you could but like what a miserable existence your life's
2: right? not yeah. gonna be very fun no <laughs> a really sad life you're never gonna have a cookie again and that's just oh not good God. could you imagine Jesus. i couldn't survive i'm gonna be honest i I definitely wouldn't survive i don't think i can survive Uh, like a week without a cookie (laughs) if i'm being like upfront,
3: i'm just being
2: honest with myself
3: i can relate i like sugar i also think that like people oftentimes try and go too hard into things as well right so they they decide like okay i'm gonna like let's just say people are gonna do what my heart desires which is that everyone's gonna try and just move in a way that feels good to them, but they mm-hmm. set a goal of doing the, of moving five days a week for an hour when they're currently not really moving at all. Right. right. It's like, that's a huge leap. Mm-hmm. It's like telling someone that feels bad about themselves to like love their body. Right. It's like yes. such a huge leap to go from point A to point B. And so I think that having a little bit more realistic expectations around or realistic goals around. What, what can I do? Like all movement counts. Like I said, like don't try and go five days a week for an hour, try and go three times a week for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and see how that feels and give yourself the space to like get into the groove and figure out if this type of movement's really working for you. And then you can kind of increase from there. But when we set ourselves up with these huge expectations of how we're going to eat and how we're going to move and it's going to be perfect, like of course you're going to feel like a failure because that's like a really unrealistic expectation to set for yourself mm-hmm. and that that goes the same for food too right like there is no right way to do all of this and there's no perfect way to do it we're all all of us are just learning because we're all different human beings and there's no one answer so i think that having the self compassion to understand that you missing a day of exercise or you know eating a certain food that maybe wasn't the, the food that you wanted to <laughs> eat, understanding that that doesn't make you a bad person and having the compassion to say, okay, I messed up today. I missed this workout. What was going on for me today? Like what was going on? How was I feeling emotionally? Was there other stressors that were going on? Why did I decide not to do this workout and and how can I maybe do something different next time around Mm -hmm. right like just giving yourself the space to like learn and evolve from these from these quote unquote failures or mess ups right and instead of just being like wow I missed a workout I'm a piece of shit
1: Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna go twice as hard next time it's like Mm -hmm. just look at just look and say okay I didn't whatever Mm -hmm. Who? who is banishing me like right now nothing (laughs) no one nothing's happening
3: Yeah. yeah right and it's like I feel like are we just, like I said, we set such high expectations of ourselves, and, like, we don't allow ourselves to be compassionate with ourselves, because if we, we think that if we're more compassionate with ourselves, we'll have no standards for ourselves, and we'll never have, you know, expectations of, you know, becoming a better person, right, but I would argue that being more compassionate with yourself gives you the opportunity to learn and evolve faster, and in a way that's a lot more conducive to your own mental, physical, and emotional health for the long term.
1: Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. Couldn't Mm -hmm. agree more. Well, if that wasn't homework enough, (laughs) we have reached the part in our episode where we like to do homework for
0: honeys.
1: (laughs) Where we talk about one actionable step we can all take to start incorporating what you talked about today. So Aubrey, would you give us all some homework for this new year?
3: Yes, yes, I can definitely give you some homework for the new year. So I think that a lot of what we talked about with um, motivations of movement is a perfect thing to start incorporating for yourself. So if you're thinking about starting a new workout regimen or doing a new type of movement, like really taking some time to get your journal out or, you know, your notes in your phone, whatever feels good for you, and really reflect on why you're making the decision you are. And if there is, if this is really going to be serving you on a mental, physical, um, and emotional level, and if it's not, giving yourself the opportunity to course correct and choose to do something else.
1: Being more mindful with our intentions this year is the main goal I think that's
2: a perfect that's a perfect suggestion I think that's something that not enough of us are doing I've never really done it before I've started to do it more recently but I think we should all be doing it all the time absolutely and it can change too yeah like I know I've started things and I've been like oh I'm doing this just because I love myself Mm -hmm. and then it's like just kidding I don't like this at (laughs) all I hate this so much and then just pivoting and being like yeah it's okay it didn't work for me I'm not a failure yeah it's just not for me exactly Where can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, so you can connect with me on
3: Instagram. That's where I'm the most active. And my handle is just Aubrey Wall. And I have more information on there about my course offerings and coaching and all of that. And I also post a lot of content about intuitive eating, movement, and body image. So would love to have you there.
2: Yeah, your content is fantastic. So it always makes me think harder than I want to in the day, but then it always benefits me, so.
3: (laughs) Hey,
1: well, glad I can do it.
0: Woohoo! Woo! It's a party in the honey hole. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, let me start. So thank you, Aubrey, so much for being on the podcast today. Um, I think we had a great conversation. You think? I'm not sure. Just kidding. No, of course, we had a great conversation where I think we just both asked questions that we kind of went off of what we had planned and asked mm-hmm. just literally from our own curiosity. From the heart. From my heart. And I, I'm, I was just happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just happy. I'm just know. informed
1: and feel good. But anyway, and
2: thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Our very first episode of 2021 and if you have a few minutes please head over to apple podcasts rate review and subscribe to honey do me it helps us so much your reviews mean so much to us we love them get us through these long weary days <laughs> <laughs> and it helps us get to more people and we truly believe in this information and want everyone in the world to have it and feel better about themselves have great sex all the things all the things so thanks for tuning in and we will see you Next week. Next Bye week.
1: <laughs> 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 Kisses.